tomorrow is. There are multiple correct answers. The day of the next Vikings victory is one of those correct answers. It is Halloween. That is also true. From a church calendar perspective, however, what is tomorrow? All Hallows Eve. All Saints Day is November 1st. And the day before All Hallows Eve, other than being All Hallows Eve, since about 1517, has been known as what? Reformation Day. Day. Most of us here come from a Reformed tradition in one sense or another. If there are some Catholics here, then God bless you too. Um, So Reformation Day, what happened? Yes, so 1517, Martin Luther nailed... 95 theses or 95 uh, statements, questions of uh, theology of the Catholic Church. Um, We could do all of them, but I was told I only have a few minutes. And also, I do not know them all. I could Google them. Uh, My Google Google skills are of great renown. Um, So why did he do that? What was that about? And um, what meaning does it have for our context today? Very good. So um, Luther was trying to bring the church back, so to speak, to the foundation of Scripture and the Holy Spirit being what guides us and what directs our path. And so I'm going to go back a little further just for a second. Jesus, around 26 AD, give or take a couple of years, uh, was in a very similar position. He had, he had stepped into, incarnated into the Jewish faith, the Jewish culture, and the Jewish faith at that time had degraded a bit from what it had originally been. It had slipped from kind of an authentic faith, authentic following of God, into more religion and legalism. And so when Jesus came on the scene, he confronted that against the religious leaders, and he said, hey, guys, you know, you're you're missing the boat here. There's too much religion. There's too much legalism. And most of what he said that people consider harsh, he was saying to the religious leaders. Uh, He wasn't saying it to, quote, unquote, sinners or people who weren't following God. He was saying it to the people who should know better. Um, Judaism had boiled down to a list of do's and don'ts. If you want to be a good Jew, you do this, 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 and you never do this, 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 or that. Um, And Jesus basically said, you know, that's actually not what it's about. (laughs) It's about right relationship with God, right? He talked to them about it's not all the stuff you do on the outside. It's what's inside that matters. And outside, you guys might look really great, but inside, you're terrible. Okay, it's like a whitewashed tomb. It looks nice and white and pretty on the outside, and inside it's full of dead man's bones, which is a pretty not super polite thing to say to people who are supposed to be the leaders. Um, But he said it, Uh, and he wasn't trying to be mean. He was just trying to make a point to say what's inside is what matters. The relationship with God is what it's about, not all this outside stuff. And so Jesus came, and he made a lot of changes, and the first century church, I think, did a really good job. First several centuries did a really good job um, at following that and expanding on that. Uh, 1,500 years then after Jesus, you get Martin Luther who comes into a very similar situation that Jesus did. The, the faith had b- been degraded 
people had started to give in to religion and legalism more than authentically following Jesus. And so you had a list of do's and don'ts. This is what it means to be a good Christian or a good Catholic at that point. You did this, 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 and this. And most of those things may have been spiritual, but they were mostly religious. They were things that the church made up as opposed to things that God had himself said. And so it was very legalistic. It was very religious. Um, and it got to a point where Martin Luther didn't like a lot of the stuff he was seeing. And he wasn't the first. The others had all been burned at the stake, so they didn't make it that far. But uh, Luther said, you know, this, this stuff isn't good. This stuff isn't good. I, I don't agree with a lot of this. And the final straw for him was uh, the Catholic Church was selling what was called indulgences. Now, indulgences were very common. They still have indulgences. But they were starting to sell them for money. And an indulgence was something that got that reduced your time in purgatory. Purgatory is where you went to burn off your excess sin that you still had when you were dead before you could make it into heaven. I'm not going to talk about that, but I don't agree that that's true because um, it's completely contrary to the gospel. Um, but they started selling indulgences, saying, hey, do you have a loved one who's spending more time in purgatory? You can get them out faster for $39.95. They could spend less time in purgatory and get to heaven quick. Okay? This is nutso, Okay? Totally, totally crazy. And Luther's like, whoa, okay, no, no, no. Um, he, he had had enough. So he was willing to put literally his life on the line and say, this cannot stand. This is not the faith that we were all baptized into. And so he finally posted these 95 theses, a lot of which were talking about these indulgences. Um, and so the church had come to the place where tradition was more important than scripture. Most people couldn't even read scripture because it was only available in Latin, and most people didn't read Latin, right? Um, and the teaching of the popes was more important than the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so the church had fallen away. They had slipped kind of into that legalism, that, that religion, which I would argue is the natural tendency of human beings, is to always slip in that direction. We always end up there if we don't <laughs> really stay focused on following after the Spirit. I don't know if you agree or not, but I, I think that's true. I think it's like chaos. It's, it's the chaos of, of spirituality. Is things tend to move from order into chaos, second law of thermodynamics, right? I think that's true in the Spirit as well. And the chaos of that uh, makes us upset. We don't like chaos, and so we try to order it ourselves. And so we make really systematic theologies and really specific ways that we do our worship and really specific things. And that might be nice and it might be comfortable and make us feel good. Uh, but at the end of the day, if it's man-made, we can't raise it up as being as important as all the other stuff. Right? Does that make sense to everybody? Um, it's not that those things are bad. There's nothing wrong with having an order of service. There's nothing wrong with, you know, on this day of the week we read this psalm and et cetera, et cetera. That's all great stuff. But it's when you put that up as this is what you should do and this is what you should do too. In fact, everybody should do this. In fact, if you're not doing this, you probably don't love Jesus. And that, that, this is how things end up going. Um, and it's nuts, but this is, this is how humans work. So, you know, God understands us, fortunately, and sometimes he sends us people to help us out. And I think Luther was one of those guys. Um, and so he, he wanted to get through everybody's heads for sure that salvation was achieved not primarily through good works, as the church was teaching at the time, not primarily through what you did on the outside, but through grace, through faith, through the relationship with God that we have in our hearts. So Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, I, I consider this the, the bedrock verse of the Reformation, the foundational verse um, that I think Luther stood on, and I think, I, think we, uh, I think we still do. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. 
It is a gift of God and not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is a great verse because it's saying, yes, good works are good. God wants us to do good works. He's prepared good works for us to do even, even before we were born. But that's not how we're saved. The good works comes after we're saved. We're saved, how? By grace, by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus. That's how we're saved. We're not saved by all the stuff we do. Um, and Luther made a pretty big deal out of that because uh, it was so contrary to what the church was teaching at the time. Um, Luther also uh, was one of the first in about a thousand years to bring up the concept of the priesthood of all believers, this idea that all of us have a right to approach God on our own because we've been placed in Christ, not because we're awesome or earned our way to be that, but because we've been placed in Christ, um, and that was God's choice to do. Because the belief at the time was, a person, an individual person, did not have the right to go to God. They could not approach God. Who are they to approach God? That's the priest's job. You go to the priest and say, can you please pray for me? Can you please make an offering on my behalf? Can you please make things right with God on my behalf? Because I couldn't possibly do that. And Luther's like, whoa, that ended with Jesus. <laughs> he is our great high priest. It says it right in this book. And so because of that, we can all approach God. We can all have a relationship with God. It's not about, well, I'm only a woman, so my husband has to do business with God for me. Or I'm only a kid, so my parents do business with God for me. Or I'm only uh, whatever, and so someone else does it for me. That's not how it works anymore. We are all priests in the sense, right? Um, and he was pretty insistent on that. I don't think that church really grabbed a hold of that particular one as hard as it did the whole salvation issue, but, but maybe you have a different opinion. So here we are now 500 years again later, 500 years after Luther. Next year, uh, 2017, will be the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. So how are we doing? What do you think? Have we followed the pattern of, again, slipping back into legalism and religion? As we have seen, and I, we could have shown time after time when this has happened. Do you think we're doing that, or do you think we're doing pretty well post-Reformation 500 years later? What do you think? How about specifically Ephesians 2, 8, 8 through 10? Do you, think we're, do you think we still got that down the way Luther taught it, the way he brought out that truth that had been forgotten for so long, that we're saved by grace through faith and not by works? What do you, what do you think? This isn't a trick question or a persuasive essay, by the way. Just, this is a discussion. So you, you can feel free to be like, yes, and I'm not going to jump down your throat, or likewise, yeah. I think, I think it's gone almost the other way, the pattern where, okay. where people aren't uh, stuck in legalism, but they're like, oh, God is everything, God is in us, God. You know, it's just like such a spot in the I, I do know a lot of cafeteria-style Christians. That is a good analogy, actually. Okay, any other thoughts? I think we layered on the side of the peace thing. Okay. Have the grace, grace, and then <coughs> grace, it's all got it all covered in it, and that's not allowed us to take our stand. Okay. I think we 
hard for us to do our spin thing, you know? Cuz I think we have less slack in our swing. Like, Jimmy hits a lot. Not just, like, outward actions that are bad. Like, you know, like people are less aggressive out in the middle. Like, those are the bad things that you don't do if you're patient. But uh more or less, like, the heart issues or if you need to reverse it something other than that. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's what I think Jesus wants to come down on us and be like, hey, you are my disciple. I love you, but I want to squeeze this out of you so you can bear more fruit. And uh, he says that in John 15 where he's like, burn those uh, branches off that don't bear fruit. And I think we all got them. So, like, I think uh, we need <laughs> we can only do it, but we can only preach to ourselves and preach to our friends and, and go deeper into that Holy Spirit because we can't on our own, uh, like you were saying before with Ephesians, like that's how we're saved is by grace, it's not our own doing. So we need the Holy Spirit to uh, bring conviction in our relationships and grow deeper and and then also and then keep loving each other for so that that can yield. Excuse me. <coughs> you will prove to be my disciples by your love with each other. So even though you're hitting each other with conviction, it's 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 going to be a lot better than like, oh, you can't do this because so and so said don't do it, so it makes you feel uncomfortable. It's like no, uh, what you're doing is actually God hates what you're doing, and you trust Jesus Christ for what you're doing, and you're gonna want to you're gonna want to feel that conviction before you just say, oh, I'm not going to do it because someone else said don't do it. It's like, no. I'm coming to, this is sin. God hates it. This is how God sees it. And I'm coming to <coughs> the cross and the boast in the cross because he wants that to be our boast in the end. Uh, okay, so letting the Spirit deal with you personally on stuff and bringing conviction as opposed to following the do's and don't list. And then bring it into our relationships so that we can get close enough to people in relationships where we start, we can Okay. All right. Okay, so some you're saying at least are maybe moving away from scripture yeah. as kind of the the basis. And okay, Robin.
process of building up a, a set of uh, social rules and regulations. And I feel like, in that sense, we're retrieved to liberalism, but it isn't as expensive as being a liberal Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. Yay, we're still both worlds. Um, so think about this. We don't need to answer it, but think about it. Um, think about your friends, other Christians that you know. Um, if they were to be asked, what does it mean to be a good Christian, what do you think they'd say? So just think about it. Okay. Um, do you think they'd say, here's a list of do's and don'ts? Do you think they'd say things like, well, to be a good Christian, you go to church on Sunday and you read your Bible and you give money to church and you vote for the right person and you practice your spiritual gifts and all that kind of stuff. And you don't, you know, sin. You don't associate too much with non-believers. You don't stop reading your Bible. You don't leave your church and go to a different one. You don't use tobacco or alcohol or don't watch rated R movies or whatever the, the specific tradition is. We all have different do's and don'ts lists, but... Um, Yeah, so I, I think that I think we have come a long way, but I think there's still a long way to go. And I think the part of the next great move of God is going to be a second reformation of the church, which I'm looking forward to. One of those things, I think, as part of the priesthood of all believers, is going to be understanding that we are all ministers and we do all have a place. And we've been talking about Corinthians 14, 26, and how we can actually experiment living that out and walking that out and doing that. And so... Let's do that now. Does anybody have a word or a teaching? Or we got a hymn to sing together. Yes, written by the one, the only Martin Luther. Yeah, this is often called the battle hymn of the Reformation. Feste Burg es unser Gott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get that up there. All right, Ducky, will you help us then? Thank you, Nick. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe Doth seek to work us woe His craft and power are great And armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, 
the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be, Christ Jesus it is he, Lord Sabaoth his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Key change for the last verse. That word above all earthly pause, no thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sided. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they make kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is for ever. Harmonious Amen. Amen. Okay, that was awesome. We should uh, become a choir, I think. Just a little more, a little more practice. We can go on the road. So we're going to transition. Uh, thanks to Nate for talking about the Reformation, and thanks for people who had some really substantial responses to his questions. Um, we're going to do the First Corinthians fourteen twenty six, which talks about when you come together. Everybody's got a a hymn or a, a word, a prophetic word, a teaching. So now, if we can just kind of move our chairs around so we're all kind of in a in e- ellipse. We don't have room for a circle, but we can be in ellipse, if that's all right with you. Yeah. And we are going to keep things at... Um, no more than four minutes for sharing, and I will lovingly address that if you go over. 
and that's all right. They'll. So does anybody have something they feel led to share with the body of Christ this morning? Ah, I see Nathan. Yeah. You want me to come up there? No, you're fine. Just please sit as you are. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, God gave me a good, powerful voice, so hopefully you can all hear me. Um, I guess I was thinking about what I wanted to share this morning, and uh, I guess there's a few things I I would say. Uh, first of all, I'll be straight up. It's been hard over the years to not hold grudges against people. Um, I have I've been blessed with many opportunities to work on that, and it <laughs> seems like whenever I think that, you know, man, I just can't get it right. I wish I could have another opportunity to work on it. Well, I get one. So God is very faithful and generous with those opportunities <laughs> okay. to work in, and so he never stops with that. It's great. Um, so, yeah, I've just been I'm working on that, and and thankfully, uh, forgiveness is it is a process, but it is something you can do. So I would say that it's definitely something that I've, I've been working on. Um, over the past months, I was in a very interesting spot. Um, God kind of used this summer to kind of take a lot of stuff away from my life that I normally would have, which included churches and stuff that normally we would consider you, you should go to and be involved with. But it was a very rare opportunity to really get into some nitty-gritty stuff that I believe if God would not have taken away that maybe I wouldn't have had a chance to deal with. Yeah. Um, this summer was full of a lot of confusion. Um, I would be in one job for, God said, just do it for a day almost and then you go somewhere else, I'll lead you. Um, it was very confusing. It didn't seem to make sense. Um, I kind of, for a while, lost my purpose a little bit. But I did learn a lot through that time. I learned to trust and depend on him. And as I kind of got through the summer, it, I learned a lot. My mom actually was just on strike for a month and a half with Alina. If you follow the news or not, you know that 5,000 nurses were on strike with Abbott Northwestern and Mercy and a whole bunch of hospitals. She was part of that for the last few months, and so that was a very interesting time for our family because we weren't sure what was going to happen. If you know, with money coming in, most of my mom and dad worked, so half that paycheck wasn't there. So we had to figure out, you know, does mom need to get another job? I mean, is this strike going to go on forever, or what's going to happen? So that was a really neat pos way to get to be on uh, focus on Christ. And then also, I guess I would say too that um, I've been learning a lot about. Um, what good godly relationships are like. Um, my mom and dad both came from broken homes. And both of their dads on both sides weren't able to give them what they should have had. And so because of that, I obviously wasn't able to get what I should have gotten either from my family. But <coughs> thankfully through this season, I've been able to learn, or the time I've been able to learn through other people that have had those families and upbringings, what it's like to actually have a godly relationship with a family member or something else. And it's been really good. So, huh? that's 
Okay, well, thanks for sharing your testimony. And um, anybody else here that say sometimes you struggle with something gets under your skin, maybe it's hard to let go, hard to forgive somebody. And I, I'm seeing some nods. Um, that is a part of being human. So let's just pray um, for all of us uh, to grow in grace in that area. Lord, we we know it's so human and natural to be offended, unfortunately, and to let the sun go down on our anger. But God, we know it only hurts us and it damages relationships and even, even our health. Uh, so we ask for the grace to forgive anybody who has wrongly treated us, who has offended us, Lord, we choose to bless those who curse us. We choose to have an attitude of grace and mercy, of unconditional love. And I'm just going to invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to all of us right now and highlight anybody that we need to forgive. And I'm just going to take about a minute now for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and I exhort all of us to to softly bless that person and prophesy life over any any person that might come to mind now. Yes, sir. Amen. Who else has something to share? Okay. I don't even know if I asked him or if 
or how it went, went about. But at any rate, I started waking up early. And so I would pray before I would go to work, almost on a day-to-day -day basis. And I would just get up um, quarter to six or 5.30, and um, I did all these hymns that we've got in, in church. I've been singing these. And then um, I would pray and pray in the spirit, um, but not necessarily a ton. And then I would say this declaration. And um, it has really um, been powerful this last October. Mm -hmm. And I can really sense, even though I don't really get it at times, I'll just be like, wow, I'm glad I did this today because I wasn't really going to plan on, on reading this declaration. And there's just an empowerment of his Holy Spirit and protection mm -hmm. majorly over this yeah. Yeah. Amen. Would you be willing to lead us in a prayer protection um, for the, I mean, Halloween, a lot of bad stuff happens like around this time with the occult. We don't need to go into that, but would you feel comfortable with just praying for protection over the church and uh, our families? Okay. Father, the word that came to me this morning was lordship. And Father, today we all pray for your lordship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to radiate and be very apparent in our day-to-day -day interactions because we all will be interacting with people that, I mean, all of us as far as they know people, we know, I know people, whatever, and they don't. And so, Lord Jesus, May you please uh, convict <coughs> us more of your lordship and residing in us so that it can come about. And Father, I pray over um, in this lordship aspect offenses. And I, I remember this week with my prayer partner. And I remember saying to her, Lord, or to her, Jean, I could be offended this one time over this one labeling. And it bothered me. And I pray, God, today that your lordship would reign over mm -hmm. our mental capacities mm -hmm. because what I got from it and what I said to my prayer partner is that I don't want it to mm -hmm. be so overbearing that I think about myself more than what my assignment should be the Lord for this purpose, Lord. And so, Lord Jesus, purpose in our hearts through your Lordship, how we must navigate mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and um, even economically, socially, in your name. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else have anything to share? Did you have something to share? I thought I saw a hand movement, but it was in the corner of my eye. Yeah. yeah I saw it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Paul asked me to share my testimony about when we went up to North Dakota for the weekend. Um, 
people it makes you uncomfortable and they knew that what was probably your primary thing was going on up there. (laughs) (laughs) I volunteered to go just to face my fears and um, because I also uh, had trouble with you know hearing from the spirit you know as opposed to listening for the words of the was never able to really do that so I found myself I was partnered with Rick David and we're praying for people and I actually heard from the praise from ah. the person the people that came up and um, uh, and then later on there was a teaching that Bill did about prophesying and he gave us like seven things to try and hear from the Lord for for the person sitting next to us it was a total stranger and I gave it just about three out of the seven and it actually <laughs> meant something to her um, and uh, so it's you know it's also some of the, the teachings that Lynn on was talking about forgiveness and stuff like that and I was able to uh, you know start thinking about people that I need to forgive and had a conversation with my dad when I got home that was really helpful mm-hmm. and um, I've got a lot of a lot more grace with him now just thinking about other people that I need like my sister Jill who's married and has a daughter and I actually felt um, you know I don't talk to them as much as I could usually just at family get togethers and stuff and I always mm-hmm. you know send her a text that I called her to help see if she could come to the new church and, and she's had you know heart things from off yet and so she said to know that she, she can tell that her years are coming and stuff like that and she really Yeah, I'm getting out of my comfort zone a little uh-huh. bit more, and praying more, reading the word more. And yeah, that is awesome. That I mean, here I want to do a little clap for you. I mean, that is a beautiful thing. it's a beautiful thing that God is doing in your life, and it's like you think if if fear, like if there was no fear or self consciousness, fear of rejection, just think what we'd be doing in this world. Um, the Bible says a righteous are as bold as a lion. Fear of failure is a big one too. I mean, how many people here want to be more risk-taking in sharing their faith and praying for people and like going on a limb and believing, hey, God does want to speak to me to be a witness to this person, to bless them. Anybody identify with that? I mean, there's probably a, a lot of people who do, would, would you be willing to pray that into us as God's given you breakthrough? You want to pray that God will give all of us more boldness and just more <laughs> prophetic revelation? Okay. And you don't have to, but do you want to? Amen. Thanks so much for sharing and for praying for us.
Anybody else have anything? Yeah. Thanks for fighting Emmy. Yeah. Right. And it, it reminds me of the Old Testament where Jonathan and his armor bearer take a huge step of faith and they go onto the Philistines' territory. And God uses that little bit as a catalyst to people's faith and totally changes the circumstances of two nations, like from that one act. So it's like, okay, 0.00001% man, and then God just comes in and sends the earthquake and sends the fear and the panic on this entire army, and they flee. And Israel is terrified, and they just come up in boldness. So it, it's cool how, how merciful God is, and the Bible talks about faith as, as small as a mustard seed. Right? Sometimes our faith is pretty weak, but God says, hey, that's okay because it's still enough to have me move a mountain. Right? I think that's pretty encouraging. Anybody else have anything to share? Andy Quans. But then on the other side, um, 
you know, lackadaisical, laziness kind of things that happen on the other side of the spectrum with, with like, whatever, you know, um, they might think, "Oh, I can't do it right anyway, so I'll just let it rip." And, uh, I think that's the really hard struggle with life is not only holding things in balance, right, of, like, of that idea of, well, I'm loved no matter what and that empowers me to move forward at the same time that then just falling back on I'm, I'm loved, but to, like, live in both, like, ferociously. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if with renewal or revival with all that stuff, um, if we would see a drastic change in just, like, fatherhood. Yeah. Not that it all rests upon that, but just, you know, our personal struggles with our family often are, you know, kind of done talking with this childlike dominance, so I personally see it in both. I see friends who, you know, they're on the legalistic of side of, like, you know, can't think of anybody, but there's probably people who, you know, struggle today and are really thinking about what's next. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. I I think that's a a very good insight. And our our father experience, be it for better or for worse, does define what fatherhood means to us and how we relate to God as father. And for some of us, we really need to unlearn a lot of lies uh, that are we associate with father and son or daughter. Um, I think that would be a good something to close on. So I'm going to just pray into that, and then if people want to spend a, a few minutes just, like, talking and into small groups, that'd be great. But, Father, we just we acknowledge that, that our society is very broken, and a lot of us had dads that were afraid. They were afraid of being rejected. Um, they were ridiculed. They, they were insecure, and it held them back. They were afraid of intimacy. And we choose to forgive them for that. Lord, we bless them for what they could give us. And Lord, where there are strongholds in our thinking and our hearts, anger, hatred, fear, uh, lies about who you are, we just ask that you would touch those with your tender mercy and bring us to a place of unconditional love. Lord, as your word says, that perfect love casts out all fear. That fear can't just be removed, it has to be displaced by real, relational, affectionate, unconditional love. And Father, as the, the world is focusing on darkness for the next day or so, we just ask for a special outpouring of Daddy's love, of Daddy's love to just displace any fear, any anxiety, and just bring a supernatural healing and revelation of how good you really are, that you are a good, good Father, and that we are the objects of your love. Let us become like John, who called himself the Beloved. Let that become our identities. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for this time together and everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.